I grew up with my brother, and I have three brothers. My brother has a job, and his job now is president. But he's still first and foremost my brother. Not only the younger sister of the president of the United States of America, but also a pioneer in political communication since the early 70s. Not only a mother of three, but also a dynamic and talented woman that claimed her presence in the male-dominated world of political campaigning. Not only an established professional, but also a thrilling writer and inspirational speaker. I am Anna Kinthia Buzduku, and during the SNF Nostos Health 2022, I had the pleasure of meeting Valerie Biden in Athens and discuss with her about politics, the role of media, her extensive career, women empowerment, and of course, how was it for her growing up Biden? So I, I would like to, to start with um, your first sense and experience, let's say, from Athens since it's your first time in Greece, right? Yes, it is. It's my first time and it has been uh, exhilarating. The thing that I found uh, most rewarding is the, uh, not only the beauty of the sea, which I love, the, just being by water makes me calmer and peaceful and feel and actually feel more powerful the having the having the sea near me but every single person to a person has been gracious and kind and you know what matters most in life are simple acts of kindness and to a person everyone has shown me and my team simple acts of kindness what what i want to learn uh is uh, simple greetings, the language. I have uh, a terrible, I have a, my kids tease me, I have a tin ear and they'll say the word to me and I try to repeat it. They're very fluent in language and it just rolls off their tongue. And I stumble with English, let alone <laughs> trying to say hello or goodbye or thank you. And uh, what, I want, what I'm looking forward to doing uh, tomorrow for a couple free hours is pulling up a chair and sitting with my feet in the sand and looking out at that ocean. And um, sounds silly, but thanking God for all the blessings that I've had. And I want to thank you uh, and Andreas for the, 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 the largesse and the generosity that uh, SNF does. I, 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 today I sat in the meetings and I listen to all the different aspects of healthcare and the services that you provide. And it was, um, it was really magical and it was very moving. It was wonderful, to listen. it was so emotional listening to uh, Renzo Biano this morning. It was, it was quite an experience. When he spoke at the end and summed up about a hospital and healing and nature, it was, it was it was lyrical. It was like a poem, I, and I, I thought that I I knew I was fortunate in be in coming here and being invited here and having the Biden Institute work with you uh, and the and uh, SNF. But uh, I didn't realize the magnitude and the depth and the spirit um, that you represent. And so I'm I want to look out in the ocean and thank God that I'm here and that I've had this experience and look for years 
lots, lots more years to come. We thank you for being here with us. It's our pleasure. It's our honor. And um, I would like to, to ask you, since this interview is taking place during the, the SNF Nostos, which is dedicated this year um, on, uh, on a very sensitive issue, health, I would like to ask you, what do you believe governments could have handled in a better way let's say, especially for those who couldn't have access to public health systems due to COVID, um, and if there is anything that we've learned from the pandemic. What we've learned, I can't speak to what the governments should or shouldn't have done. Uh, I know that um, our government, uh, our administration, current administration, did everything in its power to, uh, to rid us of this uh, virus, which will, will, will always have various forms of the virus. But what I think that the pandemic has taught us is that uh, we're all in this together. It, 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 is, it has brought us in, I, I think, uh, humanity. We, it has given us, to the, the degree that it's been helpful, uh, it has reinforced uh, a concept which we've lost a lot, which is empathy. Empathy is a fancy word for a very simple feeling, which means to absorb. And COVID had no racial, gender, economic barriers. It, it, was, it, it took everybody or anybody in its path. And I think it was a, a lesson to all of us that we, we, have, to, we have to take care of one another whether we wear a mask to protect ourselves or we wear a mask to protect the people around us. I mean, there were individual, they were ma mandated by various governments, but they're individual decisions that people made. And to the extent uh, that we were aware of stopping suffering, preventing suffering, and once we had suffering, taking care of those, to the extent that that exposed our greater humanity, I think that was the blessing. May I ask you how would you assess, let's say, the role of the media during the pandemic? I mean, since uh, all of us were at home, we were trying to get more informed. So almost everybody watched TV, for example. Uh, and we saw, I personally met many people the last couple of years had stopped watching TV, they turned it again on. Well, I think the TV and the media has a very um, responsible role and a critical role to play in a democratic society. Uh, it is uh, absolutely essential. And uh, I think with the, with, the with the right of free press, uh, there comes a great responsibility to be accurate, to be truth-tellers, to be inquisitive, and to be a true journalist, uh, not an opinion-maker. And I think that uh, on some cases it was, roles were crossed over, uh, that I think if a, 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 a media outlet or a journalist has 
a right to print whatever he or she wants, but they should say this is my opinion as opposed to this is fact. So with the, with the great freedom that comes with the press, uh, which is a, a bulwark of a democracy, I think there comes a great, uh, great responsibility to be accurate, just, and uh, inquisitive and kind. Nowadays, there is Did I answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And actually, uh, your answer gave me a great opportunity to jump into politics a little bit. And afterwards, I come back to the media's role because nowadays there is a concern almost worldwide on the socio-political polarization. Um, due to the career and experience you have, it would be not just interesting, but more than valuable, if you would share with us your thoughts about why we have reached to this point. Why we have the polarization exactly. to this point. Uh, because I think that there have uh, been um, inequity um, that uh, throughout the world. Uh, there are many issues that um, some that people feel that they've been left behind, they've not been heard. Racial, social, financial, political, climate change. That's why I'm so grateful to be here with you uh, and, uh, and, and the foundation, um, SNF Foundation, because you are the ones who are, you are the premier foundation to bring back civil discourse. And we lack civil discourse, and we, I, we, we've been, we is a very broad stroke, brush stroke, but um, sometimes we often speak to, um, we don't speak to our better angels. We are a better people than we have been. And the people who, who through no, I, I listened to your uh, meetings all this morning, the, there are some people who simply can't get health care. Now, it depends on your philosophy. I think that health care is a right, not a privilege. There are some people who can't get an education. Education is a right, not a privilege. You, take your, you took your medical vans to all the, the uh, various islands to help people who, through no fault of their own, see, that's the key through no fault of their own, they do not have access. And what is, what is most necessary is, uh, I think, for, for equality is an opportunity. And the opportunity opens up possibilities. And possibility gives hope. And possibility, opportunity, and hope brings an outcome that's better for everyone. How does this kind of polarization affect the quality of democracy. De democracy has been challenged. And democracy is an idea. It's, uh, and if you don't work for democracy and to keep it, it will go away. It won't be good. It's like a marriage, you know? You have to work to make a marriage good. You have to participate. You have to be engaged. Coming back to the discussion about media, um, there is a huge discussion about the lack of trust, um, especially on journalists and on media industry overall. Who do you think is responsible for that? Well, I think it's, I think it's a personal responsibility that everyone, you, you can't 
blame all journalists or you can't blame all media or you can't blame all doctors or, you know, for a problem. It is the responsibility of the free press to um, have fulfill its high standards and it's the responsibility of every individual journalist to do her best to tell the truth. To you, Journalists are truth seekers. And, and that's, um, that's, a, a, that's a judgment that that journalist, and with her own conscience and her own facts, she delivers in a way that she is, thinks is genuine or slants it. I mean, again, it's just not, we, we can't villainize one segment of society. You journalists, you can give me information, but it's my responsibility as an intelligent citizen to read it, question it, and say, well, gee, I, I never thought of that, to be open. So I'm not supposed to be, you're just not supposed to feed me information. It's my responsibility then to dissect that information and find out for myself where I agree or ask you, like, I don't agree with that. How did you come to that conclusion? And then you tell me. Actually, this is what is missing from the picture. I mean, the, the criticism is about the lack of data. You also mentioned that. And the facts that we have so many opinions, we have so many analyses, that they are, uh, at the end, again, opinions. We don't have facts is the one uh, kind of criticism. And in addition to that comes the fact that many journalists and especially a lot of the, of the media, um, from the media industry in general, are fully and directly manipulated from uh, either uh, you know, politicians or powerful men who are uh, making the decisions, let's say. So there is a lack of trust in terms of what they share and how they cover uh, the news, but at the same time, there is a lack of trust on the process journalists followed. Yeah, but I don't think it's specific to journalists. There is a lack of trust in all our institutions now. And because people's trust have been violated and they realize that, you know, this, wait a minute, I, th this is wrong or this is right and it's just not uh, it, it's just not f for journalists or politicians or doctors I mean the judges used to be held in high esteem everybody's saying that well wait a minute because we're mixing up opinion with reporting a journalist you know if you want to be an opinion right write a book like I did or if you don't want to, if you if you want a fact, then be a journalist, and it, and it goes through I think all professions. Mm -hmm. um, could you share? I just plugged my book. <laughs> the question is coming. <laughs> <laughs> could you share with us uh, what you think is the biggest difference in political campaigning today compared to, to to when you first started, for example? And if there is one thing that you feel that it has been remained completely unchanged. What remains completely unchanged is I think that people believe, until, I don't care what you know until I know you care. And I think that that's the, the, my opinion of the, the voters. And 
what we what we tend to do the the two political parties in our some sometimes we we try to win we win the head and win the debate aha i got you on that point but we don't win people's hearts i i i was a political media consultant for 25 years and i did radio and tv ads for candidates democratic candidates and i think uh often now we rely too much on what's the ad on tv and that's all we hear mm-hmm. and it's it's a 28 second sound bite and i take it as truth and it's probably more likely or not character assassination so again i have a responsibility as the viewer to see if it's true uh and i have a responsibility as a public as a citizen and as a politician to go out and go old fashioned door to door asking people what they think which was very difficult when we were running for president in in the in the 2020 election because of covid and that's when everybody went into zoom and the most important thing you had to worry about which i i was told is you know what was my background was my dish right in the background <laughs> or, or you know did your dog run in or your kids run in so it is it is the the intensity has changed the attention span of the viewer has changed just give me 28 seconds tell me what i have to know instead of um you know pushing the envelope more and trying to find out more but i still characters on the issue uh, on the ballot that's what i has not changed character is on the ballot and it's just not the candidate's character it's my character that's on the ballot of who i'm going to choose so that has stayed the same and according to what you said what about social media their role social media uh, is a uh, spectacular innovation and revolution and it can uh be used for good or bad it can destroy people young adults particularly adolescents um you can say and write things and, and be anonymous that you would never say to a person on this other hand uh or to never say to a person face to face on the other hand with social media look what we've done in the pro- in progress of uh of social justice and civil rights if we didn't have social media we wouldn't be as exposed to the to the changes that we have to make so social media is is in the hands of the the producer to be good or bad it is a force for for evil it's a force for good it's uh it's like any almost anything mm-hmm. uh it, so it 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 has it, it it has its place i don't know how much monitoring i'm not that uh smart in the terms of legalese of what you can do and infringe on people's rights but it it brings again it's a valuable tool and it brings with it uh a great deal of responsibility do you believe that social media is an additional tool also for yes. politicians yeah social media moves the needle uh but 53 words or however characters how i don't even know how many are in it is not the answer you know is is not the full story so social media is uh is here it's here to stay and uh it has to be again it, it it depends on the the character of the person who's writing 
and the person who is reading. And you, we, it, my, there was an expression that my mom always used, which was water seeks its own level. And one of the things that is uh, uh, detrimental is that I'm only going to read the social media or the post, or I'm only going to watch the TV station or listen to the radio station or the podcast that espouses my views because that makes me really smart because they're confirming it. So that social media can get us in a serious, it can expand our world like, oh my God, I never thought of that. Or it can get, keep us in our rut of saying, look, I'm right, I got this. So, it, so it's, to, it's a flip side of a coin. How did you decide to write your book, Growing Up Biden? Uh, I wrote the book uh, for myself. And I, by that I mean, uh, you know, some people when they, um, the, when they have a lot of energy or thoughts and, and you, they can go out and run a marathon or they'll uh, play the piano, or they'll create a beautiful artwork. Well, when I have a lot of emotion going on in my brain, I write, I'm a storyteller. So I would sit down and just, I write about human emotions. I write, the book is, is about the magic of family. And we grew up, I have three brothers, we grew up in a middle-class Irish Catholic family in mid-19th century, uh, 20th century in America. And the threads that weave the, the family, the fabric of family together, and that's commitment and loyalty and love and heartbreak and loss and betrayal, there, that fabric is in all families. My family's a little bit different now because my brother's president. But all families have all those shared experiences. And so what I hope, my, my kids said, Mom, put this in a book. Most of the stories I had written before. And my kids said, Mom, put it in a book. And I said, who, who, who's gonna, who cares? And they said, we care. Put it in a book for, my, for our children, for your grandchildren. So put it put it down, and uh, so I, I I did. I wrote about the magic of family, and I, I said there's a whole lot more that connects us than uh, than doesn't. And everyone says to me frequently uh, when I do talk about the book, but you you know there's so much tragedy that you've had in your family, and that's true, but I bet you've had a whole lot too and everybody who's listening to this. And you know, uh, adversity builds character. And sometimes you learn a whole lot more from adversity than you do from victory. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but we've all had it. And we, you know, my dad said, you know, get up. Not how, not, not how often you get knocked down, it's how quickly you get up. So get up, have purpose, keep moving. So that's about, it's about a family who does that. I hope you see yourself in it. I mean, that's, that's what I, my, the end result, uh, w when you finish the book, if you put it down and you say, my God, that's my mom. Or I had an uncle just like that. And if we connect, then if that happens, then I will believe that I really did, that I really am an author. 
I mean, that will make me very happy. And I, I, I feel that anyone who listens now our discussion, probably he or she is wondering, finally, how is growing up with the president of America? I grew up with my brother, and I have three brothers. My brother has a job, and his job now is president, but he's still first and foremost my brother. So I grew up, growing up with my brother was uh, wonderful. Uh, I, from the time I opened my eyes on it, and I, he, he's three years older than I, he had his hand out and he said, come on, Bao, we got things to do and places to go and people to see. And he grabbed my hand and he said, you're coming with me. And when his friend said, why did you bring a girl? He said, she's not a girl, she's my sister. He told me, and I, uh, my Biden word of honor, he told me that whatever he could do, he said, Valerie, you can do it better. He said, you're smarter than I am. You're better looking than I am. You're kinder than I am. You can do this. And I knew that I owed it to him and to myself to try to be that little girl or grow up to be that, the woman that he told me that I was capable of being. So I, I had a wonderful, uh, wonderful gift. My, my parents told us that we were a gift to one another and we believed him. And uh, we've, we've been best friends. And what he taught me, I taught my brother Jimmy and my brother Jimmy taught Frankie. And when we walked out of the house, on a, uh, again, just middle-class, ordinary family. And when we walked out of the house, we walked out of that door, my mom said to us every time, remember, you're Bidens. Now she didn't say that, remember that you're Kennedys or your Rockefellers or any fancy name or big name. Remember your Bidens, which we were four little kids, and that we had to have each other's back. And that's how growing up Biden was. It's very important among all the others, you mentioned about the whole spirit of your book that um, you are four siblings. Mm -hmm three brothers and one sister. Only way to go. Uh, yeah, but, but the way that um, the older brother supported and still supporting his sister um, makes me thinking uh, the other very sensitive issue nowadays about um, the, the need for more empowering woman and it's something that I believe that could and should start from the family. Sure, sure. And uh, the, the role, uh, going back to a question that you, which reminded me when you asked me how have campaigns changed, mm -hmm. women have changed campaigns since 72. Well, 1972 I was the only female campaign manager. There may have been another female candidate, I mean, uh, or there were no I'm saying no as a general, there, there may have been one, but there were no consultants, no female journalists, no female candidates. We, we opened and closed headquarters and got people coffee. So that has all changed. Women have not uh, gotten in uh, equality yet, equal status, but we're getting to parity. So women, what I, I didn't know in 1972 that, um, I, uh, that I couldn't run a campaign. I didn't know enough to know. 
My brother was 29 years old. He was running for the United States Senate. He said to me, Val, I, you know, I want you to be the campaign manager. I said, Joey, I don't know how to run a campaign. But I thought, well, you, you sure in hell don't know how to be a senator either. So, I mean, if you, can, if you can run a Senate, be a senator at 29, I could be a campaign manager. And we, we went on. But again, I think that the, the number one prerequisite in life for success is confidence. And confidence, confidence is not to be confused with cockiness. Confidence is I, I work hard, I have a goal, and that I was lucky enough to have my family who said, come on, Val, you can do it. My father, my brother said, a woman can do anything a man can do. And we're no, we're no better. We're, we could be as venal, we could be as mean, we could be as inadequate as a man. But, uh, you know, we, we talk about women are half the sky. Well, we have to work, the, if, if it's just women now that we're talking about, we need to work with the other half of the sky, men. We both are human beings with the same qualities. We just have different approach shots of how we do it. And working together is how we'll get the, the best world. And it never occurred to me that I couldn't do what my brothers did because they told me I could. Now, it's one of the things that we have to do women today, you know, women are not always our sister's keeper. We have not been kind to each other. So one of the responsibilities now, if you don't, uh, when, when I talk about my brothers helping me and giving me confidence, when I'm making remarks and I can see people in the audience, they sh shake their head and say, yeah, well, that's, I'm really happy for you, Val, but you know, I didn't have that brother. I didn't have that family. So what about me? And that's where we, the rest of us, women, have to step up to the plate, and we have to mentor and sponsor. If you don't have a brother, you don't have a family, I'm in the workforce, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm working with you. And there's a difference. Mentor means, come on, I bring you in, I can help you, tell me what, what your problems are, you know, what, what, where the bumps in the road are, and that's fine. But we have to take another step, which is sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And sponsorship means, you know what, Anna? I've seen you do this, I know you can do this, and guess what, I'm taking you and I'm throwing you right in the pool, and you're going to do it. Now I'm gonna walk along, alongside the pool to make sure you don't drown. And I'm working with an organization, uh, a search group called Diversified Search Group, which we place competent, extraordinary women in uh, positions of leadership. My last question has to do with the SNF Ithaca Initiative. Except for Athens, you should also visit Ithaca, by the way. We should. Point. Yes. Okay. Yes. We should. All yes. right. We will. Yes. So, um, Stavros Yarkos It's Foundation. the last question that always gets you in trouble. So yeah. <laughs> when my brother's walking out the door and says, uh, Mr. President, I say, keep walking. <laughs> keep walking because it's that last question can kill you. So, don't look back. Make it easy. <laughs> So, um, Stavros Niarchos Foundation is proud to support the, the SNF Ithaca Initiative at the University of Delaware. In your view, why was it important to launch this program and what do you hope to accomplish through its programming? I hope to follow your lead and help to educate uh, young men and women to be citizens of the world. 
And what we want to do is to house a building, Biden Hall, where we are conveners. When we call, people will come. Three weeks ago, we had uh, uh, 20 colleges and universities from Ivy Leagues, historical black colleges to state universities come to Delaware because of your largesse and your generosity and uh, spend the weekend and talking about not a, a practical politics of, of how to get along in a civilized society with limited resources, scarce resources that you have, and you have to allocate these fairly. And so we, we are different from the university per se. The university is, teaches the academic, which is necessary. The, it's the book learning. We are housing young men and women who uh, we hope will go into practical politics and, and, and work to bring about real results uh, in terms of everyday life. Not in, not in contrast, but different than a research paper, or, or which, which is, are necessary. But we want boots on the ground. And we hope with what you have given us, the tools in the, at, at the university, at the Biden Institute, that we can put boots on the ground, young men and women, who are going to change the world in, in making it, um, in realizing the value of of each individual and realizing our humanity and realizing that above all, we have to save the planet Earth. And that's what we're going to do with your, uh, your guidance and your con hopefully your continued support. We are going to make you proud. We are proud for this synergy, for this collaboration, because finally we, I, but you, almost to all your answers, highlighted Uh, to this interview, the importance of collaboration. So I would oh, like, I did? Okay. Yes. Oh, that was pretty damn smart too, huh? <laughs> I would like to thank you one more time a lot for your time, for our discussion. I really enjoyed. Thank Hope you. you do the same. And see you very soon, probably and hopefully next time in Ithaca. Okay, that's a deal. Mixed and sound designed by Aris Athanasopoulos. Produced by Panagiotis Menegos. You can listen to more podcasts by visiting podcast.imed.org.